Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode number 14 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Well, we all like to be people of vision, but how do we cultivate a personal vision? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. This is the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello and welcome back to Reinventure Me. This is the podcast where we talk about what's next in life. Uh, we want to help you find your next great beginning. And we believe you should never stop asking the question what you want to be when you grow up. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know what you didn't do for once? What's that? You didn't introduce yourself. Hello, this is Larry Gates. <laughs> and Armina Sadi. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad you could be with us this week. We took a week off last week. We did. It feels like eons ago. Oh my gosh, yeah. We don't ever take weeks off. What's going on? Well, ever. I mean, we're up to episode 14 and it's hey, our first week off. So I'm in the world of podcasts. I will tell you this. I hope you missed us as much as we missed you guys <laughs> in doing this. Uh, but our last episode, um, episode 13, we talked about how to get unstuck. Sure. You know, it's funny that I often find when I start thinking about something, writing about something, or teaching something, that that very topic seems to visit me. Oh my gosh, every time. It's like kind of like writing a sermon, and then you yeah. realize, I know why I'm writing this. This is for me. <laughs> well, yeah. it's like, after we did that episode, I realized I had the symptoms of being stuck. <laughs> So I went through my show notes, you know, and I yep. looked at, we, we talked about four things you need to look at, right? Your yep. physical condition, are you getting enough rest, diet, and exercise? Mm -hmm. So my question answers were no, 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 <laughs> you know? So I knew right there yeah. that that's part of what was going on with me is just, right. I was so fatigued Wow. and I kind of felt like I lost this forward momentum, you know, mm -hmm. just like. I'm done. He's you know, just like, yeah, just pack me up and yeah. sit me in a box for a while. Yeah. You could put me up on a shelf. You know, that was stuck, right. right? And then the second thing we talked about was your environment, you know, reduce clutter. Mm -hmm. It helped me last weekend to go in my office and I've got this huge whiteboard, I think, as you know, in my office. Did you, get, you got that? I put that by baby yourself? up there. Yeah. I, that thing well, weighs like 300 pounds. It does. Are you serious? Yeah. I was able to kind of balance it up there and how and many cuts and bruises do you have <laughs> no i was actually okay wow. it was a little tippy there for a while but That's you know it, but it was amazing because once i got that up on that credenza just above where i keep that whiteboard and it's like an eight foot whiteboard yeah i, I right. remember carrying it in yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and uh, on that credenza you probably remember i had piles of notebooks from client work or those 18 folders yeah that, exactly yeah. and I, I i said you know what i'm going to clear all that out Oh, it felt good. I like I wanted to be in my office again. And I realized it was what we were talking about in the show hmm. that even though those client projects were done, they were still sitting there 
and there's something just haunting about, yeah, you know, say. maybe there's still something there that you should be looking at. Yeah. Revisit. Yeah. Yeah. And when I got rid of that stuff, boy, I just felt like, oh, I like to actually be in here again, you know? Yeah. Like, and it was, it, it had become so commonplace to have that clutter sitting there mm-hmm. that, you know, I just wasn't thinking about it anymore. Yeah. But when it was gone, I was like, I'm feeling some relief. Hmm. You know, and I think that's what we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm a little less stuck than I was um, before. Good. So I think uh, some of it, but anyway, we talked about our physical condition, rest, exercise, diet. Um, I'm still not doing very well there. <laughs> my environment is much cleaner than it was. Right. <laughs> My mental condition, my habits of thought, uh, practicing grat- gratitude and intentional forgetfulness, mm. um, that's helped. It really did. It helped me to just take inventory on that. And then w- we talked about the need to have a personal vision. Yeah. But we didn't say anything about how to have a personal vision. How to vision. have one, yeah. So that's what we want to talk about in this episode. Good, because I still don't really know how to have a personal vision. <laughs> I've tried for years. And I was, was just going to ask you, what's, what's your personal vision? I don't have one. And my mentor always is down my throat. For, let's see, every quarter or once a quarter, Art will follow up with me and he'll ask me, Armin, what's your personal vision? I'm like, crap, I still don't have one. And I never want to tell him I don't have one and I'll send some generic one to him. He'll, he'll make something up. Oh, he'll call me out. Though. Yeah. He'll just call me out on my crap and say, yeah. good, did you find this on Google? Or? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. A, a personalvision.com. <laughs> I don't know. There yeah. probably is, right? There is. There is. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really love what Vaclav Havel said. He was the leader of the Velvet Re- Revolution, you know, in Czechoslovakia. Oh, wow. Yeah, in 1989, I think. And he was the first president of the Czech Republic when they when they split. From, he was the last president of Czechoslovakia and the first president <laughs> of Czech, Czech Republic. So go right. figure how that works. But uh, he said this, the tragedy of modern man is not that he knows less and less about the meaning of his own life, but that it bothers him less and less. Hmm. And I think so many of us wow. are uh, go through life and we're dealing with all the stuff that we've got to deal with. We're thinking about things we want to get done, places we want to go, job positions we want to have, what have you, or things to do with the family, all the rest. But we don't necessarily step back and really think about, well, why am I here? Fundamentally, what is the vision for my life? Hmm. At least Vaclav Havel says, modern man is bothered less and less by that question, Yeah, which would suggest that where we become more responsive to our circumstances. Hmm. You remember the Far Side cartoons? No. With Gary Larson? Nope. These are long ago. You'll have to look them up. There's okay. some really good Far Side cartoons. Well, when he became president is when I came to the United All States. All right. Okay. Well, so there you maybe go. Maybe that helps. Well, look up Gary Larson and read some of his Far Side. They're All very right. zany, very weird. But the one, <laughs> there's one that I really like, and this kind of reminds me of it. Okay. There's this amoeba sitting in a, a lounge chair like a lazy boy in front of a TV with a remote control okay. in the amoeba's hand. Okay. And the amoeba wife is standing behind him with her amoeba arms on her hips saying, stimulus response, stimulus response, don't you ever think. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. He's just watching the TV, you know. And what do amoebas do? That's all they do is their stimulus response. Right. And I, when I read this quote from Vaclav Havel, it kind of makes me think, if we're not careful, we degenerate into basically amoebic behavior, which is wow. we just respond to our environment. That's true. And we go through life just being reactive hmm. to whatever comes up. Hmm. And we don't sit and think about, well, how can I build the kind of life that I want to have? Vision's one of those words that we like to right. say about ourselves, a mm-hmm. person of vision and right. all the rest. It's a strong word. Yeah. 
But how do we do that? <laughs> I'm here to I'm learn asking from, you. I'm here to learn from you, Larry. <laughs> this is one show I don't should not be on. <laughs> well, we want to talk about that on this episode. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to suggest some ways we can do that. Let's go through that together. Good. Teach uh, me. For, <laughs> for those of you who want to get uh, at the details after the conclusion of the show, you can visit reinventure.me slash one four, and you'll find the episode show notes there. I want to start out with an inspire me quote, though. <laughs> and this is from John Stott. Have you ever heard John Stott speak? Oh, he's just, I've never heard of John Stott. Oh, John Stott is a famous theologian in Britain. Oh, really? Oh, yes. And he speaks with a very British accent. Which makes it everything more spiritual. And, so. Yes. Well, I heard him at the Urbana Conference. The what conference? Urbana, Illinois. The Urbana. missions conference long ago. Oh. Uh, I'm dating myself a lot now when I say <laughs> 1979 Urbana Conference. Ooh. And he spoke about God's wrath and God's holiness. You know, oh. it's just, it just See? gives you chills when, yeah. you, when you hear him speak. But... He said this, and I just think this is really great. There is something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. Hmm. There's something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. What do you think he means by that? Well, I like this because I think he's talking about how, couple that with Baklav Havel's comment Hmm. about how we'll tend to just think smaller and smaller in the proportion to which we think about our lives and the meaning and what we can do in our lives is in direct proportion to how we think about God and what we think he is able to do through us. Wow. So when we cherish small ambitions, we're saying something about how we view what God is able to do. Hmm. And it isn't about puffing ourselves up. It's not about making something grand because we're grand. It's making something possible because God is the God of the possible Hmm. and he's the God of the impossible. Hmm. He didn't require much from people in terms of capability to be able to use them. And the Bible's full of that, right? Yeah. So when we think about our own personal vision, I think we have to almost start there. We have to start with the point that God is the one who put us here for a purpose. Hmm. And if we just do the stimulus response thing, we'll never get to any kind of purpose that's any greater than just mere survival. Right. There's actually a pastor um, from North Carolina. I heard him. I shouldn't even try to quote him because I'm about to destroy what he actually said. But he said something along the lines that's always stuck to me. I just wish I could remember it verbatim, but I can't. Um, he said something along the lines of, if the vision for your life doesn't intimidate you, then it probably offends God. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, that's always stuck with And me. I think that's exactly what John Stott's saying. Yeah. Is that you've got a small ambition. It says that you don't think highly of God. Hmm. Yeah. And it, and again, I don't or think he's yourself, speaking probably. about, yeah, I don't think he's thinking about prideful ambition or one that's out of your own self-sufficiency. Right. But one out of believing that you're here for a reason and that has some magnificence to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So that ought to be inspiring. I mean, it inspires me to think about it, even though it might be a little bit mind blowing because you go, wow, you know? Yeah. Well, in, in cultivating a, a personal vision, um, there are two things. First of all, I think it needs to be cultivated. Yes. Right. And that means it doesn't just come overnight. Oh, no. It definitely does not. Yeah. It, or it, over the years. It, it takes time. <laughs> So your mentor, yeah, 
what's his name? Art. Art. Yeah. Your mentor is asking you about your personal vision. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if maybe the whole value in asking you the question is just to keep it in your mind. Yep. Not that you have the answer. Yeah. But that you keep working on the on the question. Yeah. Because I feel like he's got the answer. But yeah. He won't give it to me. <laughs> God loves you and I have a plan for your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he won't give it though. That's okay. <laughs> That's a great point because if we don't cultivate our own vision, yeah. other people will cultivate one for us. That's true. And we'll we become it. the agenda. And that's basically back to reacting to people. Yeah. People will be strong. They might be charismatic or whatever. We're drawn to it because mm -hmm. somehow it feels like it's easier to follow someone else and right. what they're passionate about than discovering our own. Yeah. And so it has to be cultivated. And cultivated means that it's, there's intentionality to it and that it is going to take some time. It goes beyond thinking. That's that, that that's the one thing that's helped me at least begin the process is I had to take it beyond thought and put it in writing. Yeah. That's the one thing that art did to start helping me cultivate it. Right. So And and that's the second point is that if you don't write it, you don't remember it. And ah. you, and you don't work it in. See? You know? I was doing something. You did I, it. I I had a piece of this down and I didn't even know it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're starting to do it. Good. Writing focuses the mind and it helps force clarity because you have to think about something in your head and it might even feel good, but you won't remember it and you won't do the important discipline to put words to it if you don't write it down. Because hmm. we can think about something in our head without using concrete words. We just have these abstractions. Right. When we write it down, it forces us to put it and articulate it into some language and go, oh, that's not right or right. whatever. And that's why it's so hard. Yeah. And that's why so few people do it. Yeah. And, and it kind of gives you a reality check too. Yeah. If it's even something that you want in your life or for your life or whatever it might be. Well, I'm going to suggest that there are four steps that we take in cultivating a personal vision. And like the whole premise of this show, it's not something you should ever stop, right? I mean, we're, we're always saying you should always try to figure out what you're going to be when you grow up. Mm -hmm. That's the premise of the show. Likewise, Cultivating your personal vision is something you should never give up on. Right. Uh, and there are times in life when it's more adamant that you do it than others. You, know, you might be in a crisis, you know, uh, just a, your sense of meaning might be misplaced. I've had a few of those <laughs> over my life. Yeah. You know, or just go, oh, what am I here for? Yeah. And in those times, especially, it's good to just start going through the steps knowing that it will feel like you're trying to pull a car out of mud. You'll make very little traction. That's a good to analogy. Begin with. Yeah. And you might need somebody to come alongside and throw a chain and, and help pull you out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's four very simple things that you can do that create a process that's repeatable that helps you develop a personal vision. The first is to, to reflect, reflection. Okay. And it is the one thing that is perhaps one of the hardest things to do because it means that you have to stop reacting to everything. Yeah. You have to get out from all the busyness that you're in hmm. and f give yourself some space to reflect. Hmm. And that is a hard discipline. It's hard to stop going down the river, this this mighty river that we're going down. It's not right. an ambling thing. It's you know more like a, a whitewater rafting. Right. <laughs> and to stop and make camp. Hmm. and look up at the stars and uh, feel the sand in your toes or whatever, but to reflect on yeah. your life. Uh, James Gleick wrote a book a few years ago called Faster, the Acceleration of Just About Everything. Huh. And in it, he said, as nature abhors a vacuum, 
so we abhor the blackness, the lack of stimulation that comes with doing nothing. Hmm. Activities rush in to fill the void and never have so many interesting activities been available. And he says this, maybe alone with our thoughts, we feel that there just isn't enough to keep us entertained. Wow. I think that's very incisive. That's on point. Yeah, it is. Especially and I think for this time that we live in, this, especially my generation, go see if and you can find anyone in my generation that can sit 10 minutes without grabbing the phone, texting, emailing, calling, candy crushing it, or something. Yeah, and all at the same time. <laughs> well, that's only me. <laughs> So there's a there's this idea that if we're going to really be serious about cultivating our personal vision, we need to find a time to retreat. Right. You know, take a personal retreat, and that can be you know once a year. I go out once a year for three days, and head out in the woods, uh, not living in the woods. Oh, that's what I, I was looking. Yeah, at no, no, I head into, into the North a... Woods <laughs> in the winter in a cabin. That's, okay, and, and all I do is sit and stare at a fire for a couple of days. Okay, so you're not in and a tent or something. It is crazy. the while I'm not a cold weather guy, I, yeah. I don't really get out in the cold. I actually look forward to my winter retreats where I do nothing but just stare at a fire. There's something very cathartic about that. And huh. um, and I do my uh, my annual planning there. Really? Uh, and then you can get, get out quarterly or monthly or whatever you can. When I went through a time uh, in first constructing my personal vision, it was in a crisis with my own business. You know, mm. I think I talked about needing to fire myself a few yeah. times. I uh, decided that I had had enough. I really seriously needed to make some adjustments, but I didn't know how, and I needed to start with something. So I took Friday afternoons off for about six months, every Friday afternoon, and I went to our church, and I went into a room that I knew nobody else was going to be in, and I just spent the afternoon in that room reading and writing and asking myself some questions and praying about it. And some of the questions I asked myself is, what am I good at? What do others see in me and seek me out to give help or advice on? Hmm. What am I drawn to? What am I inspired by? What are the wounds in my life? You know, often we need to live out a vision of our life from the areas that we've been wounded and healed, and that right. uh, informs our vision. Yeah. Who have I helped in a meaningful way? Who am I drawn to? Or what cause captures my attention? Hmm. Those are all the kinds of questions that I uh, worked on. And then, uh, you know, I set out to draft my own personal mission statement. Whole another mission. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> going to actually spend next uh, episode will be on how to draft a personal mission statement. Right. And a very practical way to do that. And I've got some exercises that we can go through to craft that. But when I spent that six months or so every Friday afternoon doing that, it was grueling. I mean, I intentionally had to do it. There were times when I didn't want to, but I knew I'm going to do it. There were days when I left and I felt like, wow, I, I had a breakthrough and days when I felt like that was just a waste of time. Mm. But the cumulative effort was not a waste of time. Mm. And it was really important to do that first thing, which was reflection. Just get yeah. with the questions. Yeah. You know, Einstein said, it's not that I'm that smart. It's just I stay with the questions longer. longer. Yeah. What I like about this reflection piece that you're talking about is uh, one of my other mentors, his name is Ron. Um, when, when I brought up the whole vision thing, the first thing he says, he told me that, that I needed to do is he says, I mean, you need to go somewhere quiet. Same thing you're basically saying. Like he wasn't telling me to go away. You know, he just 
saying, go find some quiet space. Right. And he said, think about this. Think about your life 60, 70 years from now. You're in your deathbed. Your doctor says you have a week to live or a month to live. You um, have all the friends, family, and loved ones around you that you would want to have. And uh, when they come around you, ask yourself this, what do you want them to say about you and mm. what kind of life do you live? Yeah. And start from there. Yeah. Because what you want people to know of you or to say about you at the end of your life will kind of dictate about everything else or everything else regarding how you want to live your life and what the vision is you want your life to be. And that's kind of where he gave me my starting point because mm-hmm. that that's my biggest struggle with this whole vision thing. I don't even know where to start half the time. Right. You know, and I start somewhere and end up somewhere else, and I'm drawing rabbits 10 minutes later, you know, and I have no <laughs> idea what's happening. Well, you know, I, I don't know if there's a formula for starting through the questions as much as it is that you stay at it right. and uncover what questions are important to you for where you're at. Exactly. And it sounds like him giving you the think about your funeral, you know, kind yeah. of thing, plan your funeral and work backwards. Right. That may, that sounds like that was at least the way to get started for you. Right. And it may be for others as well, but it might be something just more immediate that would be helpful. Like what, what change do I want to see happen next year? Yep. That could be a, a way to ignite the dialogue as well. Mm-hmm. But the key is that you're taking time away from the, the stream of life. Distractions. To, yeah, all the distractions and all the demands. Mm-hmm. And even as hard as it is, and you don't need to necessarily take an afternoon every week off like I did, right. but just find some time that you can that can be yours to think through these things. Hmm. Well, then the second step after you've done the reflection is socialization. Hmm. And it's important that you start expressing what it is that you're thinking about your personal vision and also getting feedback on that. Hmm. And I think this is important for two reasons. Vision has to be developed in community because we are not designed to pursue our dreams alone. Mm. You know, we're part of a body. Yeah. And everybody, we're interconnected. Yeah. Those people that are in your community need to reflect with you on your vision and help you frame it and help you shape it. Mm. And so socializing that, that's important from that perspective. Yeah. But it's also helpful because of another reason, which is even perhaps more subconscious for us, is that we don't know what we're good at. Mm. We're so used to just having whatever talent we have, we don't see it as being exceptional. Hmm. It's like breathing for us. Yeah. You know, somebody can be really good at math and it doesn't seem unusual to them. Right. And then you just, you know, you go, how do you do that? Well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's easy. I don't even think about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, you see it or I see it and I'll go, that's astonishing. It you is. know, yeah. how, how do they do that? And you go, Especially you know, you're math. really gifted at math and they deny it. They say, no, I'm not gifted at it. Yeah. Well, they deny it because it just comes naturally. Mm-hmm. And we need other people to point out that, hey, you know, you're good at this. Yeah, this is not normal. This is non-normal. Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes it's, that's hard to hear and sometimes it's hard to accept because it feels normal to us. It's just every bit as much as being in our skin. And we have a hard time understanding what it is that makes us unique in that way. Right. I like Poe Bronson's question in his book, What Should I Do With My Life? He just says, am I the person I think I am if no one is there to tell me who I am? Huh. And there is a interconnectedness about each of us informing something about the other. You yeah. know, what kind of person am I if there is no feedback about the kind of person that I am? Hmm. So socialization is an important next step in cultivating personal vision. And then third is experimentation. 
And now this is the risky part. The other part's kind of hard because you have to get time away and you have to then do the act of socializing it, right. which the socialization part can be fun or scary, but it really gets scary in the experimentation phase. I think it'd be more scary for introverts than extroverts. Well, yeah, probably so. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, it's just normal. <laughs> yeah, me <laughs> too. Everything is social. <laughs> we need those introverts to say that's not normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> but when you're in the experimentation phase, this third step, you, you've got to try on a variety of ideas. You know, you start with uh, testing some things. Your vision might be to do something entirely different, right? So maybe you want to try volunteering somewhere and seeing how it works. Yeah. Or take some night classes and see if, you light up with it if it stimulates some ideas or join some groups, hmm. uh, some online communities or take some online classes. And, yeah. you know, this is a beautiful thing about the internet right now. I'm taking three different online mentoring classes on different things from what? writing to, um, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And I can do that just right here without having to go anywhere. You would and, take classes. <laughs> Gosh. And then, you know, reading, and there's all kinds of ways of getting input yeah. and that you can experiment. And the idea of experimentation is to find out how are you responding to it. Hmm. Because just like other people inform you about what you're unique in, mm -hmm. when you read or you hang out with other groups, when you see how you respond to it, it's another piece of data about what's uh, valuable to you, what's part of your vision and your makeup. Hmm. Well, we talked about this a little bit in episode number six, how to become a better beginner, but we often take less risk like this the older we get right. because we want to be stay in our comfort zone. Yep. So experimentation, step number three. And then step number four is observation. Hmm. You know, nothing does any good, no experimentation does any good if you don't uh, observe and then correct, right? I, have, I could spend hours on a golf course you know, hitting a golf ball and gradually get worse. <laughs> yeah. If I don't, if I don't experiment and then observe what, what that change has made, I'll just create muscle memory around a bad habit, right? Which explains the last, you know, 30 years of my golf swing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you mean? Okay. So help me understand this observation piece. How do you, how do you observe something like creating a personal vision? Well, as you're going through the, the what am I good at? What am I drawn to? What are, you might find something, for instance, that you know I'm really drawn to helping disadvantaged kids. There's something I just every time I see one, my heart kind of goes out to them, and I haven't had much exposure to them. So you decide, well, I'm going to volunteer, hmm. and so that's your experiment. You know, you're going to go out and you're going to spend a little time, maybe some evening at a school or something, helping disadvantaged kids or whatever. And the observation is to say when you're doing that. What does that do to you? Does it energize you? Hmm. Does it deplete you? Do you find yourself fascinated by other people that are also helping in the same way? Do you find yourself aligned with their vision? Do you start reading more about it? Does it start to infuse in you this growing insatiable appetite for doing more of that? Hmm. Or do you find that when you go there, it doesn't really do much for you? Yeah. I have an example of this just today. I went to a presentation uh, by a fairly large investment bank on their services and the state of the industry and all the rest. Yeah. And as I listened to the presentation, I was just imagining, well, what would it be like to work in that investment bank? And I know some of the people that do. Right. And I thought, boy, I have no energy toward that. <laughs> I mean, it would not be something that would be very interesting to me. Yeah. You know, but 10 years ago or 15 years ago, it, it would have. Hmm. 
so that tells me that the vision for my life is not where it was 15 years ago. It's moved on. Yeah, it's progressed. It's progressed. Yeah. Or regressed. <laughs> it has moved on. <laughs> yeah, I like back to that. I guess the thing I, I find challenging when it comes to observation is that in the moment, I'm not observant. I, after I'm out of the moment, I can think back and kind of reflect on how I felt or what I thought, but I'm so bad at being in the moment and being aware of how I'm feeling because in the moment I just want to do it. Yeah. And that's why you're journaling right now, right? Yeah. Which is helping. Yeah. Which is helping quite a bit with the observation piece. Yeah. And journaling is a great way to do observation because you do capture not only what happened, but how you felt about it and your reaction to it and whether it energized you or not to observe like this doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, put on a journaling regimen though. It can be very simple. Just keeping a list of the things that you did for the day mm -hmm. in your experiment and just say, I was energized by that. No, I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons to do that and to keep a log of it is so that you don't make decisions about your future based on what happened to you in one day. Because you might like one thing one day and then you try it a few weeks later and you yeah. don't like it. Yeah. Now, which do you choose? Do you choose to, to do it because you liked it one day? If you made the decision after the day you liked it, you might be in doing something you don't like. Right. So it's good to keep track of it over time. Journaling is a great way to do it, but it doesn't need to even be that disciplined. You could just keep notes on a piece of paper that just is, you know, nothing more than a quick note. Right. So you don't want to make these impulsive decisions, and it's good to track that over time. So those four steps can be helpful for you in developing your personal vision, reflecting socializing, experimenting, and observing. And basically, you just rinse and repeat, and you go through that. And, and there's never really any done cycle here. The question is, are you cultivating your personal vision? And that's one way to do it. Now, when I went through this a few years ago, there were a number of resources that I read that were helpful to me that at least framed up some questions, because sometimes it's, you just need, like you said earlier, some questions. I want to share those in the resource me section. In our resource segment, some of the books that I found that were helpful were Oz Guinness' book, The Call. I don't know if you read that book. Mm -mm. Oh, it's I mean, a, I've heard of it, though. Oh, Oz Guinness is just a terrific guy. He yeah. is of the Guinness family, yep. uh, and, uh, and he's a terrific writer. Uh, I actually interviewed him for an article that I had written on one of my websites, and tr wonderful man. Oh, wow. And this book, The Call, is fantastic. Yeah, I've heard amazing things about it's it. It's just a great read, yeah. and it... It will just get you thinking about your life purpose from a bigger perspective. Hmm. It isn't it isn't prescriptive. It's more from a just think about what God would have you do in your life. Right. Bob Buford's book Halftime is a kind of a classic book for people trying to evaluate what's the second half of their life, how they turn success into significance. Hmm. And then uh, Mary Beth Jones' book The Path I thought was very helpful. Haven't heard of the book or the author. <laughs> Well, it's, a, it's, it's one of those uh, very easy-to-read books that has a lot of good questions. And then one of my favorites is uh, Barbara Sher. I Can Do Anything If I Only Knew What It Was. And, and <laughs> I, I think it was a, it, it's a great it. title. Yeah. Uh, but in this book, she outlines seven different ways that we might get stuck in thinking about our careers and where we want to go. And then oh, she wow. outlines some questions that uh, we can ask ourselves when, when we find ourselves 
into any of those. Hmm. So those are some helpful resources. If you've read any resources that you think are helpful in creating your personal vision, uh, let us know on our show notes. We'd love to uh, add those to the list. And I have many more that I've read, but I think these are the ones that, that stand out and are, are worthwhile. Well, as we promised our next episode, we're going to talk about how to create your personal mission statement. And uh, if you like this episode, would you leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and tell your friends? Uh, you can do that through reinventure.me slash iTunes or reinventure.me slash Stitcher. And uh, we got a, a shout out. Yeah, this is actually one of my really good friends uh, to uh, Jay Booma, which is Jamie. I know you're out there and I know you're <laughs> listening. Love you, man. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, thank you for the review. I know it's always honest and genuine when it comes from you. And uh, another person who I actually don't know is uh, Anderson, who left a great uh, review for us on Stitcher. So Anderson, thank you, sir, for your or ma'am <laughs> for your review on Stitcher. Really appreciate it. Well, and as always, uh, leave us a question or comment on our show at reinventure.me or call our show line at 612-314-5447. And uh, we do have an active discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash reinventure me. We'd love for you to join us there. That's all the time we have for this episode. We're so glad you're able to join us. See you next week. Never stop becoming what you should be. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Amina Sadi.